This is CliffCentral.com. Morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? Good. Sorry I pushed you to the end here. I wasn't sure whether you were on the line or not. No, actually, Sia mentioned it to me. It's probably a better time uh, for me as well, so it's fantastic. Thank you. Good stuff. Um, you were a real hit last week, and you were worried that you'd spoken about that before, but I'm absolutely sure that when you, you brought up your issues around online virtue signaling, you hadn't spoken about it before. Funnily enough, came up this morning in another clip that I played. But what have you got for us today? For sure. I absolutely. I was listening to that clip while I was uh, working out this morning, and I was in hysterics. So thanks for that. Yeah, Jonathan um, Pye is who it was. Oh, right. I was yeah. wondering, when you were saying it, when you were asking for his name, I wasn't. I thought it was maybe Carr. Yeah. And very quickly, so here's the thing. So uh, Friday night, Jazz and I, we climb into bed. We're having an early night. It was a birthday on Saturday. And we're sitting down to start watching an episode of a TV show. I'm not sure if you've watched it yet. It's called Shit's Creek. Oh, yeah, I've heard about this. Yeah, it's got the dad. It's the dad from um, American Pie. Right. And... His real-life son are in the show. It's very good. Anyway, it's worth a watch. A little small uh, comedy. So we're sitting down to watch it. It's like my happy place. I'm in an amazing – I'm really, really stoked. And then I get into a fight on the internet. Who told us about this? Hang on. Schitt's Creek is the one where this guy actually – they've got lots and lots of money, and they buy a place called Schitt's Creek. It's a joke. And then they lose all their money, and that's all they've got. Yes. Okay, right. Got you. I'm I'm on board. All right. So you Uh, went on – Well worth watching. So you watched this, and then you went online, and what happened? Well, so as I sit down to watch it, I very quickly opened my Facebook while the kind of the opening skit is on, and uh, then I got into a fight on the internet, and that was the end of my evening. Then I was done, hours later. This thing carried on to like past one in the morning. It carried on the next day. It got crazy, and um, it's amazing to me because obviously nobody won, right? You, you, You don't win a fight on the internet. No. But it becomes so deeply compelling. Basically, I'd written a blog post saying that um, when I looked at when I finished writing my newest book, uh, when I looked at the total time that my app told me I'd been writing, it was 35 hours. And I was quite surprised because, yes, it was over a period of months, but it was actually didn't take as long of physical writing to write a book as I thought it would. Yeah. And I was saying to people, don't put this off because of time and um, uh, uh, uh my, just go for it. And this lady came on. She's a published author. And she said that basically I am causing the downfall of publishing and I am the great Satan. Oh, and okay. so we get into this argument. And it was all very amusing. But it was actually quite good for you. So the first thing I realized is that getting into fights on the Internet are great for uh, publicity. Because I'd written that blog post and I posted it about five or six hours earlier. And it had one or two likes and, you know, a little bit of a few people had seen it. But then basically this lady and I got into an argument and Facebook is like that kid in the schoolyard that shouts fight, fight, and lets everybody know that there's a fight happening behind the bicycle shed. Yes. And everyone's like, holy shit, holy shit. And they come over and they have a look. Yeah. And so, I mean, first of all, uh, <laughs> picking a fight with somebody on the internet, you're doing them a favor. Uh, you know, that, that's the first thing you need to realize is that you are helping their traffic. But anyway, the realization for me was quite strange. It was the second fight I got into the internet. On uh, uh, like Wednesday, I'd written a uh, tweet about the fact that I felt that Trevor Noah apologizing uh, could equal the death of comedy. Yes. And for that one, I was basically accused of being a, a racist, uh, I don't know, whatever else, kitty fiddling, uh, I don't know, every possible insult that I could be uh, for writing that. And um, 
but again, it drove traffic to conversation. But I agree with you on on Trevor Noah not having to apologize. Why should he apologize? What he was doing was a joke in 2013. We've been over this, but it's unnecessary. Like, don't spoil the joke now by saying sorry. Well, and also, he's not really sorry, right? What he's sorry is he's sorry that you're upset about it and it could have messed with his career. I don't think he's genuinely sorry that he made a joke all those years ago. That Now he's thinking... Oh well, maybe I did really hurt those Aboriginal women's feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that's his, that that wasn't his mandate, and it becomes problematic if you have to go back and apologize for every offensive joke you've ever said at any point in your life. This becomes, this means that people are going to stop making jokes for fear of how it could affect their future self and future career. Right, it's going to suck all the air out of the room. Anyway, so yeah. you got into a fight about that as well. Yeah, so and here's the point that I actually wanted to make is I realized that we get into these arguments, but you never win them. And I started reading up about why this is, and I found out about a thing called the backfire effect. Have you heard about it? No, tell me. So basically the backfire effect is an effect that says that once somebody argues with something, you actually end up believing your original point more. So if I believed what I wrote in my blog post, at a, like I didn't give it you know, a ton of thought. It was more an observational thing. I write this thing down. I maybe believe it a six out of 10 mm-hmm. that you can write a book at this period of time. But then what happens is this lady starts arguing with me. And then I'm like, no, that's some bullshit. So I start arguing back. Mm-hmm. And then she jumps onto the internet and finds one or two articles that proves her point. And I jump into the internet and I find three or four articles that prove my point. And then other people do the same thing. And the next thing, I believe my my point at an eight or a nine. Mm -hmm. And it's the idea that if somebody questions you or challenges you, and so I was reading up and several experiments have been done on this. Basically, what they did is they took people and they showed them an article that was a lie. And this article could say that, um, you know, uh, Donald Trump uh, uh, said something very racist at one point. Mm -hmm. And they could make up a, a statement that he said. And then what happens is uh, they come back later, they, they publish this or they, they share this with a group of people. And then they come back later and then they said, no, listen, actually, that was incorrect. Donald Trump didn't say that. The people who believed that Donald Trump was a bad guy to start with, they'll turn around and say, no, but he did. He did say that. And now he's put undue pressure on the world to take this back and just further proves what a real douchebag this guy is. Uh, for for doing that and, and nothing you can even tell them no it was an experiment i promise you we made this up to fool you and they'll be like but did you yeah. did you really and uh, the more that people fight with you the more you hold on to your original belief and i always think that knowing your biases is a very important thing we get into all these kind of silly arguments all the time and and we make rash decisions about things because we don't understand the biases that our bodies are, or our minds naturally put in front of us and we need to start stopping to think about what the effect of those actually is. And so when you get into a fight with somebody on the internet, all you're doing is you're making their point of view stronger for them. They're not wow. going to back down and say, you know what, you're right about Palestine. In other words, it's, it's worse than just a waste of time. You're actually emboldening the people you disagree with every time you do this. Yes, and Pointless. you're forcing them to do better research, right? So you're, you're going and you're saying – hold on a second, you have an unresearched point of view about something, I'm going to challenge that point of view, and then you're going to force them to do the heavy lifting afterwards. So a kind of loosely held opinion there uh, may have worked, uh, but you know, you're, you know, may have been held in my head, but now that you challenge me, you force me to actually turn around and really prove it. And I won't stop until I have. Even if there's a lot of uh, evidence that presents the contrary, 
it will struggle. If you turn around and told me tomorrow, I've got proof for you that there is a God mm-hmm. or, and give me scientific proof, mm-hmm. I would do everything possible to refute why that couldn't be right. When in fact, if I'm rational and you could prove it to me, uh, then I wouldn't, you know, I would, I should just accept it. But we don't. We want to accept things very readily that, that agree with our point of view. But we want to challenge things that but, don't. But, but Rich, so, this, this worries me because what does it mean about learning new things? And what does it mean for people who are ideologically ensnared by stuff that they've just been brainwashed with and, and are unlikely to change their opinion on? Does this mean humans are doomed to carry on fighting with each other about stuff which is demonstrably wrong? Well, no, because the, the one caveat to that is curiosity, is that if you argue with me and tell me that I am wrong, then I will disagree with you and I will try and prove myself right. Mm-hmm. But if you create, if you say something to me that's not a direct attack to prevent, uh, sorry, if you present new information to me that's not a direct attack on you are wrong, it's, hey, I find this thing out and I was quite curious about it. If you can create a curiosity itch in my brain, then I can start researching that myself. So it's when you say to me, Rich, you are wrong, then I'll get into an uh, you know, an argument with you about it. But when you just present information almost uh, randomly, not directly to me, but you place it out there and say, or something like, hey, you know, I was really, really uh, on the same page as you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read this article, but I find this very interesting and it really kind of changed my point of view. You don't say uh, you were wrong, but you just leave that there. Then you've created a curiosity itch and then I go start looking for something myself. And it turns out mm. you can persuade yourself of things when you want to try find it. So once you get more and more curious about things, so is it you'll about, go and look at it. Is it about politeness and not getting someone's hackles up? Is that's what, if that's what you've got to achieve in order to change their mind, it's about style, not about substance. Our brain is trained to react to information that feels directly negative to what we are currently feeling. It's like a survival instinct. Think about it. When's the last time if you get on a scale? And you get on a scale and you weigh yourself mm-hmm. and the scale tells you that you are the weight that you hoped you would be. You get off and you're like, sweet. And, you know, you jump in the shower and everything's amazing. But if you jump on the scale and the scale tells you you're two or three kilograms heavier, what you do is you step off the scale and then you put your foot on it again just to wiggle it about just in case the sensor is wrong. And then you stand on it again trying to make yourself lighter because you're convinced that the scale must be wrong. <laughs> and then the second time you have to be like, oh, shit. But nobody ever double checks a good reading. No one ever gets on the scale. The, the quickest time I will get off a scale is the second it looks like that handle has dropped below where I was the last time. I'm like, fuck this. And I jump off the scale because I don't want to give it a chance to settle higher. We want our confirmations. We want the, what we believe to be confirmed. Yeah, that's so spot on. Wow. And, and the only reason I say this is because I think it's just worthwhile knowing what's going on in your brain. And it's worthwhile being aware of what's going on in the people you're debating with brain as well. Because if you understand that their brain is not physically capable of agreeing with you the way you're presenting it, maybe you'll find a better way of doing that. I love it. Thank you, Rich. That's awesome. Awesome, guys. This morning. It's always good to talk to you. We'll speak to you next week. Um, Next week, I'm in Iceland with Jazz for a surprise birthday present. So the week after. A surprise birthday, but you've just ruined Oh, it was her birthday on Saturday. Okay. So she found out so on Saturday morning. She burst into good. tears. It was amazing. That's am- you told me about Iceland. I'm still intrigued. Please take lots of pictures and uh, we'll talk to you the week after. Well, do, do, do. Take cool, it man. easy. Thanks. Cheers, Rich. Bye. Bye.
There's Rich Mulholland. Beautiful. What a way to end the show. I hope you're off to a good start for today. It's Monday. Thank you, Poppy. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Sia. Thank you to you. We will see you on Monday morning, bright and I mean, tomorrow morning, bright and early, 6 a.m. This is CliffCentral.com.